0: grace, mercy, and peace to you from Christ Jesus our Lord on this Memorial Day weekend. The scripture before us this morning is Psalm 29, and you've already read that responsively. but there's two verses that I'd like for us to think about. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Well, there was a Trappist monk who was allowed to say two words every three years. And after three years, he said to the brother superior, bad bed. Three years later, he came back to say, bad food. And after three more years of silence, the monk came back and said, no TV. Another three years passed, and he appeared with his robe draped over his arm and his Sandals in his hand, and he announced, I quit. The brother superior responded, well, it's no wonder you've done nothing but complain since you got here. You know, negative thinking is dangerously captivating and controlling. It can happen any place. It can happen in a church. It can happen in in the military. It can happen in a family. It can happen in a nation. And on this Memorial Weekend, and given the state of upheaval in the world, that we have wars and rumors of war, Jesus said, till the end of time, we want to pause to remember and renew our minds by the transforming work of God's Word, because that's where we find the hope. That's where we find what breaks that cycle of negativity. St. Augustine, the 4th century philosopher and theologian, wrote a book or a treatise, entitled On Seeing God. And he emphasized the many aspects of God's invisible nature. God, he said, is like a many-colored jewel. We only see every beautiful facet of God when we become like the angels, when we hit heaven. In this lifetime, what we know of God is what he chooses to tell us about himself. And he has good and wide wise reasons for letting us know some things, but not all the jeweled facets of his deity. The more though we know of God, the more we learn about ourselves, having been made in his image. And considering two verses in Psalm 29, I hope that this deepens your faith walk with him. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. The Lord gives strength to his people. The Lord blesses his people with peace. Please pray with me. Gracious Lord God, you are ever faithful to provide for your people. And we come today needing that kind of provision. Cause our hearts and minds to be open to receive your word. And may it accomplish what you desire. Because you are the completer of all that you start. We ask that all of this might bring glory the glory that's due your name and your name alone. It's in Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Well, it's 1868, three years after the Civil War, in which 750,000 soldiers died. James A. Garfield, our 20th president of the United States, spoke at the first decoration day in Arlington National Cemetery in Washington, D.C. He later was murdered, um, and that was a very sad um, event, uh, on the heels of President Lincoln being assassinated. After placing flowers on 20,000 graves of both Union and Confederate soldiers, the 5,000 attendees heard President Garfield say this, the voices of these dead will forever fill the land like a holy benediction. And I really think that truth of that statement was not just true it's true today. Decoration Day, or as we now call it Memorial Day, has been altered from only acknowledging those Civil War dead to now encompassing all the dead who have died in our wars fought by our US military personnel. At the end of the 60s, there was a change, and by 71, Memorial Day had become a Monday. And when that happened, all the celebrations up to that time in little hamlets and little towns across America, speeches and parades and ceremonies and visiting graves to mark the beginning um, beginning to mark all of those who have been lost, now had become um, the beginning of summer and the Indy 500. And it signaled a frenzy of kinds of activities, of people and pools and parties and barbecues and all kinds of outings, places where people should see the creation of God and reckon with him. Originally, it was meant to remember and honor the fallen. It was to remember where this God-blessed country had come from in order to determine where it is to go. We can't do that without a clear vision of God and who he is. When David penned this psalm, he was looking, as we read, at the voice of God. The voice of God reflected in a storm and lightning and thunder and all the kinds of things that seem Overwhelming in that we would somehow like to control, but we can't and we don't. It was meant, as he was writing, to get people to focus on the God who was different than all the other gods around that many people were giving into. And focused on that God because they could see the visible acts of God and they could hear the audible voice of God. But seeing is believing. Ascribe to the Lord, and that's a a Lord that's capitalized, which means um, the name that could be spoken or written, um, the glory and strength that He deserves. We need to simply observe the power and authority of God in all creation and how dependent we are upon him to control it, to continue it and create it. If God is the creative God and we are an extent of him, then all the creativity that we have within us comes from this creative God. And it should move us to understand, seek him, and know who he is. We're encouraged as well to give it up to God. He deserves the natural expression of realizing what he has done and accomplished. But Abraham Lincoln wrote in, in the time of two years before the, uh, the end of the Civil War, because he was concerned about not only what was happening but in the war, but also what was happening to people because of the war and, and the things that had led up to that war. And he said this, God is the Lord. We have been the recipients of the choicest bounties of heaven. We have been preserved these many years in peace and prosperity. We have grown in numbers, wealth, and power as no other nation has ever grown. Sounds like where we are today. And then he says this, but we have forgotten God. We have forgotten the gracious hand which has preserved us in peace and multiplied and enriched and strengthened us, and we have vainly imagined in the deceitfulness of our hearts that all these blessings were produced by some superior wisdom and virtue of our own. Intoxicated with unbroken success, we have become too self-sufficient to, feed, to feel the necessity of redeeming and preserving grace. Too proud to pray to the God that made us. And he said then, it behooves us then to humble ourselves before the offended power, to confess our national sins, and to pray for clemency and forgiveness. Powerful words. As I was having a devotion and using portals of prayer this last week, I was reminded of Luther defining confession in the small catechism. Which, by the way, you have parts of it in the beginning of the hymnal. If ever you want to prepare for worship as you come in, or prepare for communion, or prepare your heart just to receive from the Lord, there are many helpful things in the front of that hymnal, which are wonderful. And part of it is our small catechism on page 326. Luther was asked, well, what sins should we confess? And his answer was all sins before God because we can't fool God. God knows everything he sees inside. He knows when we stand up and when we sit down. He knows how many hairs on our head. He has formed us together in the womb. He has knit us together. Every part of us he knows. And every part of us he loves. All sins before God but before pastors, only ones we know in our hearts as we evaluate based on the Ten Commandments. In the Reformation, there are out of the many sacraments in the Roman church came two sacraments for the Lutherans. But Luther toyed with considering confession as a sacrament because he said that's tied in with baptism and with communion. And it is, as Pastor Jeremy said, it is the invitation from us, but it's the Guarantee of the promise of God in his word that he says, now you're forgiven because of your faith in Christ and what Christ accomplished on the cross. But he has us ask these questions. Have we been disobedient? Have we been unfaithful? Or have we been lazy? Have we been hot-tempered? Have we been rude or quarrelsome? Have we hurt people with words or actions? Have we stolen, been negligent, Have we been wasteful or harmed anyone? He says, then, humbly confess these to receive mercy and the forgiveness of God in Christ. The second verse from Psalm 29 assures us that the Lord gives strength and blesses his people with peace. Well, we just came off of confession. And you know what confession is? It's getting rid of things. It's making room for what God is going to give us. And we are then ready to receive. So confessing is receiving then. When we confess, we open ourselves to the resources of heaven. Our weakness and need gets an overhaul by the power of Christ. His strength floods into us. His sufficient grace builds up a defense against everything that would come against us. And you know what? There are many things that stand against us, things that we can't see the unseen world. We read this morning in Revelation about the world that is to come. In fact, the scripture tells us that our eyes should be on the things we can't see more than it is on the things that we do see. Those are the promises that we hold on to, the guarantee again of the cross that we can see. And when we have these immense needs, as Paul did, and ask God three times to take it away. And God says, my grace is going to be sufficient for you. In fact, in your weakness, my power is going to be seen. It's not you doing it, Paul, but it's me in you. And that's going to bring great return. We receive the luxurious gift of peace. It's a spiritual peace. That's God saying, I'm for you. I'm working for your good because I'm the good God and I'm not limited by anything. I'm for you. And physical peace, we can come, as it says, and cast all of our cares on the Lord, knowing that He cares for us. He's got the big shoulders. He's the one who can really take those worries and worry with it. And for Him, it's not a worry because He can make it happen for our good. Jesus, by His death for us on the cross, is the ultimate peacemaker, and His peace is different from the world's attempts. It defies human control. It defies human guarantees, and it defies even human comprehension. But it is real, and it is eternal. Some of you may have seen the movie Hacksaw Ridge, the story of Desmond Doss. He was a Seventh-day Adventist. He joined the army. He didn't have to, but he wanted to serve, and he was a corporal in the army. He also, because of his strict Seventh-day Adventist teaching by his mother, could not take life. So he registered himself as a conscientious objector. And as a result of that, was under very close scrutiny and rejection by everyone around him. But he became a combat medic, and that was... Notable because when he was in Guam and the Philippines in World War II, he won a bronze star for his actions. And then the movie's name, Hacksaw Ridge, was a place in Okinawa. And it was a very bloody battle. And it was exactly what it says, a ridge. Our army went forward and the Japanese came out and we were overwhelmed with their attack and everyone lay dead and wounded. Down below, the army thought everyone was dead. But up top on that ridge, there was one man doing his job, Desmond Doss. He searched and found people alive. He took care of their medical needs, and then he put together a sort of strange contraption that served as a, a, a little gurney, a way to transport those individuals over to the edge of that ridge and then lower them down. Here they thought everyone was annihilated up top and then bodies started to be lowered. One, two, three, four. And he kept going back, kept going back, kept going back and lowering those bodies. Because he said, just one more, Lord. Just one more. He saved 75 men that day. They had their lives. They thought they were lost. He was wounded four times. In post-war, he had damaged left arm because of 17 pieces of shrapnel in it. He got tuberculosis from Laetitia in the jungles, hit a treatment for five and a half years for that tuberculosis, and it cost him a lung and five ribs. And then when he was given an overdose of antibiotics, he lost his hearing. But you know what? He didn't stop believing that his life could be lived with hope. He didn't stop and give up and say there's nothing to live for because he knew who he was living for. He was living for his Savior. And he's living because of his Savior. Just one more kept him doing what he knew to do best, to give life. He even raised a family on a farm in Georgia and had as much a normal life as he could. We know we read the gospel. Pastor Jeremy read the gospel in So that Jesus left his disciples and us with these words. And when I was listening to it today, it hit me again that it's a command. And how fitting on a military weekend that we think of commands. I followed commands. If you were in the military, you followed commands. I can remember marching with my my flight and making a—I was the— Flight chief, and so I was at the very corner, and I pivoted on the wrong foot one time, and my TI yelled at me in the side of my face, so much so that I thought everything had just melted. He, it, my face was gone because he was so intense. I never made that mistake again. I followed his command when he said, Hut, hut, call him right, hut. I did exactly that. And, you know, we all moved together because we became a team. This ragtag group of young people all coming together from different backgrounds and having different kinds of interests. All of a sudden, we began to move in tandem with each other. And we began, as a result of that, to really care for each other. And, you know, after all of these years, I had forgotten. But I had a phone call from a young man who was also one of the leaders on that flight, He continued in the military, and somehow he found me. I don't know how he found me, but he was very resourceful, and I couldn't believe that he was calling me and saying, and he called me chief. What's happened in your life, chief? There are bonds. When I visit with people, military families and individuals, when I am at the VA, There's a bond that sort of identifies and keeps us together. And you know when we were in the military, the bond that kept us while we were in the military of Christians? It was the Lord Jesus. Somehow Christians in the military found each other because the military wasn't always a place that was friendly to the Lord. Jesus said, love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You know, the bar has been set very high, but our Lord is the source of strength and peace. We have a bond. We are connected in the Lord Jesus. We're connected with Christians that have gone on beyond. We are connected with Christians around the world, and we will be connected with Christians who will come after us. And we will all gather one day in that place that we read, in the revelation, promise of heaven that the Lord is preparing for us. The Lord has set a very high bar for us in our Christian walk, but he's going to give us what we need to do exactly what he's requiring of us. I close with these words from the message, the translation of these verses And it's it's not an exact translation. It's a a general feeling translation. But I think it expresses what this day is all about, or this weekend. And certainly this passage of scripture. When we can say, bravo God, bravo. Encore. In all before the glory. In all before God's visible power. Stand at attention. Dress your best to honor him. If we honor our military, if we honor our government, if we honor the things that are sacrificial in life, how much more we should be honoring the Holy God and our Christ who has given everything to us. He encourages us to think just one more. See these pews? There's a whole lot more room for just one more, isn't there? Just one more. Sharing our faith, believing that God will use us and that our purpose, our life has purpose and meaning. Just one more. May you pray with me, please. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are free. This is the land of the free because of the brave. We thank you for all of those who have come before us. And maybe we have not had any connection with the military. We have not had any connection with the kinds of things that others have experienced. But we know the sacrifices that have come through the military. And certainly for those all the way back to the founding of this country, individuals who were willing to give it all up in order that they might govern themselves in freedom. Under your rule, yes, acknowledging who you are, thanking you for your word, which has given them the form and the direction. And we thank you now for this place and for all who have gone before. And we thank you for all of those who are serving now. And we ask that we would remember, we would take time to thank those veterans, to acknowledge those veterans, and also to pray for those who are serving this great country. We thank you for your bounty to us. And may we be good stewards of all of this, giving you the glory and the honor and the praise. Remembering that as we love one another, we are to love those because they need to know you. In Jesus' name, amen.